You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I'm coming to I'm Corey Munson coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined as always by Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Madigan Freed in Massachusetts, and our very special guest, Josh Fredland in Colorado today. Uh, he's going to be moderating the comments section, but he's also got some thoughts on uh, some action this weekend up in Glendale. But before we get into that, hey guys, how was your weekend? Uh, you know, um, well, uh, I I guess uh, I did a foot race with the uh, the old boss, the, the partner in crime. Um, surprisingly, I did this race three years ago. It's a five k. Actually, my time this time was better than that, and I've only been running for seven weeks. But my shoulder is just killing me. So, for everyone at home, don't break your clavicle ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, my weekend was pretty good. Uh, I went out on Friday, so I spent a lot of uh, Saturday just kind of in recovery. And then Sunday was just sort of my uh, get stuff done uh, day and, you know, a little bit more of the recovery thing. Uh, you know, off of work this week or for the foreseeable uh, next few days. So I'm looking forward to just kind of, you know, getting into the relaxation and rugby mode. Yeah, I got, I got sunburn at Glendale, so it's always a good time. Yeah, so it didn't. Tough. It didn't snow this weekend. No, it was seventy <laughs> degrees both days. <laughs> it was warmer there than it was in Iowa. Definitely you know what I got to see this weekend, guys? I I saw something amazing this weekend. Something made me very happy. It's not even rugby related. I know, but uh, I got to watch Ohio State get beat by Purdue. Lowly <laughs> Boilermakers took down the Buckeyes, and basically anybody who beats. OSU makes me happy. Uh, you know, being a lifelong Big Ten fan, they are the ultimate enemy. So that was pretty fantastic. Well, I guess, but enough for, go ahead. I guess for for rugby um, stuff, it was like rivalry week or whatnot across the Big Ten, sort of. Uh, but Michigan went to Michigan State on Friday night and live on Next Level Rugby. So if you go to Next Level Rugby's YouTube, uh, our friend Ryan Ginty uh, produced what is probably one of the best broadcasts in rugby I've seen stateside, whether that's a test match or, you know, just club stuff. It was, I think it was like an eight camera shoot. It was pretty awesome. Uh, And, you know, victory for MSU because – um, Brooke is an MSU graduate, so um, there was some college rugby going on. But enough about colleges. Let's yeah. talk about the show. So we are Earful of Dirt. It's a weekly podcast. We're here live every Monday night on YouTube, and we follow that up with a uh, podcasted version every Wednesday morning covering Major League Rugby in the United States, the U.S.'s professional rugby union. This is, gives us a chance to talk about the issues, to uh, hear from the league, from players, and from team leadership, and to check in with our friends across the U.S. rugby scene. So that's what we do. Uh, Aaron, tell us what we're doing this week. 
So, uh, you know, we report on professional rugby in America. So right now, uh, that's uh, the women's national team, the men's national teams, and MLR. So let's get into it. USA Women takes silver at home for the first of the HSBC Women's 7 Series stops. So that puts us in really good contention right now to qualify for the Olympics, getting those points straight away. Uh, the Free Jacks traveled to Halifax to play the Ontario Arrows, or are they the Halifax Mariners? I don't know. Maybe we should maybe we should rebrand them. Uh, <laughs> Alex Magleby uh, will be leaving USA Rugby to be the CEO and general manager of the New England Free Jacks. Uh, so we look forward to see how he builds out that organization over the coming a year. And then uh, I was going to say San Diego Legion recruitment, but uh, it's more of an update because there's a, it's a little more holistic than that. But on to the first thing. Yeah. So like Aaron said, uh, we wanted to hit on uh, USA Women's Sevens for a minute here. So yeah, the uh, HSBC tour started in Glendale this weekend. That's the 2018 tour. And USA took silver, only losing to New Zealand in the finals. Um, Josh Fredland was there in Glendale at the tournament. And in a minute, he's going to share kind of some of his experiences. But uh, before that, Aaron, I know you've got some analysis and just some general thoughts on the competition. So what did you see? You know, really, it was really hard to tell. Uh, day one was really a dud. Uh, we went one and two, beating China barely, losing to England. Uh, barely, uh, you know, Chris Brown said on rugby wrap up that they were a bit of a young squad and new to the series. But if anyone who's been paying attention to how England just stays young and just funnels uh, women through their program, they basically ran a second side all through the Grand Prix series in Europe all summer. So they were ready to go. Uh, so, I mean, they it was a really big fight that first match, and then we lost our third match to the Black Ferns. Actually, the score was a sort of identical to the uh, silver medal match or, that we had, and it was 33 to 12. So it really made me cringe a bit, but Spain did not do what it needed to do over Mexico. They needed to score 47 points to edge us out of the quarterfinal. Guess how many points... Spain scored against Mexico. Quanto? Um, 46. So one point is what separated us from going to the quarterfinal. But you know what? Those ladies, they made it count. They took their second chance, and they just uh, they just did their thing. They dismantled uh, the Olympic gold medalists in Australia. Uh, they were a little banged up, uh, you know, but they have they still have the depth. Uh, of the of that core team, but you know what? We uh, sort of did what like the Black Ferns had done to us. We beat them. I think it was like thirty three to five, as well. Uh, our semifinal against France. I was oof, I was having trouble here, but our defensive rotation really has gotten a lot better throughout this tournament, and I really want to see how we'll look. Uh, in a couple of weeks in Dubai. And then, you know, sort of, I, I guess when we're peaking in Sydney, uh, but we played against a, an interesting and very strong French team, 
Uh, we ended up beating them 21 to 19, I think it was. Um, and just sort of got lucky there. But, uh, you know, you you create your own luck at times. And uh, France didn't create theirs. But we did what we needed to do. We out-physicaled them. And Alona Maher, that girl, wow. Uh, uh, in the final, we played against the Black Ferns. And, you know, really they do what they do. Uh, one of the weird things, I, I think it was uh, Sarah Goss kept like switching the kickoff, which sort of, I think, threw the ferns off a bit more than us, but it it really took us out of our game. But one of the things I noticed throughout this tournament was of the of this lineup, I mean, the squad goes, I think we're about 18 deep right now. Uh, we had six women in this lineup who were 5'10 or taller. Uh, anyone else, uh, is anyone else like a physical lineup like me? Cause that's much different than we've been in the past. It, it also helps when a couple of those girls are really fast. Um, you know, uh, you know, Alona Maher said after the match, uh, that was shared on USA Ruby's Twitter feed, uh, in an interview that she's like, you know, people look at me and they see just a big unit. They don't really, they underestimate how skillful, I am, and anyone who's really watched her development at Quinnipiac, at Scion, and even last year for the the little glimpse we got of her on the series going into uh, the Rugby World Cup Sevens, is you just saw you you saw a person that plays prop in in fifteens and plays a little bit of prop in sevens, just be able to do things with the ball that you aren't used to seeing props do. And that's like dishing it out and just breaking tackles every which way. I think if we looked at her, she made the dream team along with Alef Kelter. But I think if you look at every single one of her carries, she broke the line, which is something that's hard to achieve, especially when you're going through the center of the pitch and she's able to do it. And, you know, I think she had five tries on the weekend. She had a hat trick in one match. She's, she's, She's deadly. I, I really can't wait to see what she does. Uh, hopefully she gets called into uh, to the Beast's Rob Kane 15 side uh, soon enough. I believe she actually ended up with seven tries that game. And there you go. So you were talking about Sarah Goss's kickoffs where she like jumps to one side or whatever? Is that what you are talking about? Oh, yeah. That was that – was, Kind of weird. She me. does that every time. That's literally how she kicks off. That totally time. threw that totally threw me off. I don't remember that from uh, from the Rugby World Cup. Uh, wow, I'll, I'll have to pay attention <laughs> to the next stop to see that. But it was like every time I'm expecting her to kick off, and then she just flips it up, flips around, and it's just kind of weird. Yeah, every kickoff New Zealand had, she did that every time. Like. If Sarah Goss was the one taking the kickoffs, she did that jumping kickoff every time. But, you know, it, it was definitely a good experience. I think it was great atmosphere. Um, both days, I think, had about 3K by the end of the day. Uh, the stadium really did fill up for the final, USA-New Zealand final. Uh, a bunch of, bunch of USA or rugby people in general were there. Um, I ended up seeing Dan Lyle, Alex Corbacero. Uh, Perry Baker was there. Saw Tony Ridnell. The Raptors were there, of course, since it's Infinity Park. They also set up the stage at the end for the trophy presentation. Um, and then the America's Rugby Combine guys ended up showing up there. Um, saw a bunch of guys in their neon yellow green polos. Didn't realize who they were at first. 
because uh, the polos just said world rugby and then um i finally recognized one of the duque brothers from brazil and that's when it clicked in my head um you know overall it was a great event um i think the glendale was a really good location for this um maybe could have used a little better marketing in the united states but other than that it was a great event um the usa got off to a poor start but they did a great job of coming back the second day I think, you know, Glendale is based on what we're seeing from Canada sevens stop uh, being played at Lankford. West Hills is a, uh, a standard 1600 seat stadium and they bring in uh, 500 additional seats. They tend to average about 2,500, 3000 total tickets per day when you add in your standing room only. So, uh, you know, Glendale gives you that quaint feel. And it, it just fits uh, right now for, for where we are. And it gives you also a much tighter, more professional atmosphere than when the women's series was at Kennesaw. Uh, you know, people just didn't really come out. And, yeah, uh, we could uh, we need to increase our marketing of this because I think that, I mean, we're looking at international rugby. But, uh, you know, like I said, I like the stage. I like uh, maybe we'll go out for it next October and not just Josh gets to hang out for it. Well, thank you so much, Josh. We appreciate the update and uh, the live on the ground reporting there. So uh, yeah, uh, Josh, once again, we'll be over in the comment section. And if you got any questions for us about this or any of the other subjects we're talking about tonight, be sure to hit him up and on the YouTube comments and we'll go ahead and try to address those questions. So moving on, um, I've got a note here about something about flapjacks. Uh, now, I believe that's a pancake. Uh, are we officially dubbing the free jacks, the flapjacks from here on out? Is that, is that a thing? Do we, do we have to? <laughs> well, they were flat, like pancakes. Yeah, they, they, they certainly got laid down flat. Uh, I should have said when you asked us originally, Corey, you know, when you asked what was the highlights of our weekend, that was definitely the, the big highlight of my weekend was getting to see the uh, New England Flapjacks uh, finally play. Um, you know, I'm, I'm friends with a few guys on the teams on, on the team, and I've got to say the one of the things I was very disappointed in was the uniforms. Can we please talk about this for a second? So, so the There's, uniforms. Let's, so the uniforms, right? There yeah. was the game kit. There was the practice kit. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, well, I'm I'm talking about like those like sherbet red, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, so things. so you saw the practice kit, right? Wasn't yeah. that fly? The practice kit. Uh, oh yeah, no, the the the, the, pra the practice kit, kit was pretty good, but I don't know why they couldn't have done some sort of variation going out to the field like with that, you know. Whereas I felt like this was very. It looked like they were Canada out there, you know, if, if anything uh, is, is comparable to it. Um, uh, and, and honestly, their play didn't, you know, was, wasn't all that much better in terms of uh, – well, I shouldn't even say that. If, if Brian Ray's watching right now, then he's going to have a few words for me. But, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was definitely a great game overall. And Brian Ray's commentary uh, made watching the match, you know, that, that, all, uh, that all much more worth it. Uh, however, I was definitely disappointed with the way that uh, with the with the way that New England was moving the ball, especially on the outside. It's the same sort of problems that really dogged Mystic uh, during their ARP season. Uh, some really good defense in the middle of the field. It didn't seem like uh, it didn't seem like the arrows were able to do much of their ground and pounding uh, to, in order to move the ball, but that didn't really matter because Mystic 
I'm sorry, but New England was giving up tons and tons of big plays on the outside, which just made any kind of effort in the middle just null and void. Um, it was originally reported on the broadcast, however, that Luke Schlotman was the scorer of both of uh, of New England's tries. However, that was corrected uh, by Coach Smith on Twitter to me uh, as Anthony Perry scoring them, who, as some viewers will know, actually played for Rooney during the last Anthony, exhibitions. Anthony Party? Anthony and, Party. Anthony Perry. Yeah, Party. Anthony Parry, sorry. I'm, it's it's late here, man. Freaking 7 p.m. on the West Coast. It's 10 p.m. over here in New England. Get with me. Uh, He's got but, it easy. He's got a California-style easy. Or Arizona-style. Uh, you know, uh... The universe is literally cooking you. Why do you live there? <laughs> Why do you people continue uh, to build civilization? Because you know what? It, I, don't, I don't live in the snow. If I want to go to the snow, I can go to it. But it doesn't come down here. (laughs) The snow comes to him, not the other way around. Your bloodline is weak, and you will not survive the winter as it's coming. Okay, that may happen. But will you you survive Miss Summer? (laughs) Probably not. I would melt. <laughs> no, I, I, I probably would not. And I've been, I'm moving to Houston in, uh, in just a month or so, actually. And I've already been kind of warned about the, about the month of August. Everybody mentions August as the coming of hell in, in Texas. Just, so uh, just to add 15 degrees to that, um, in Houston to over here. So yeah, enough yeah. about the weather. Uh, I guess we'll, uh, my opinion about, uh, New England's fashion, uh well it was a dud uh because their practice kit was off the chain it was you know i like to call it stripes but the uh, the the boys at the american rugby pod will say hoops the red white and blue hoops mm-hmm. on the practice kit was delicious why they didn't go with that cuz they also had numbers on the practice kit all right so they could have got they could have run out with that kit, and that kit was nice, uh, but the the white pants and uh, reddish jerseys, yeah, the, it looked exactly like Canada. Well, no matter where their kits were from, it didn't help the Free Jacks when they traveled to Halifax to take on the Ontario Arrows. The Arrows handled New England pretty easily at a, with a final score of 40-14. to 14. So you look at this match, uh, I want to say for the most part when it came to tackling and controlling the midfield, it was a bit of a grudge match, and the boys were able to – the Free Jacks were able to hold their own, at least, containment in the middle, And but it didn't matter. You know, as you said, it, it, whatever uh, – for the most part, you're looking at the scrum. I thought that the, um, the, the arrow scrum was definitely superior, but at the, at the ruck, uh, you know, in phase play, it just didn't go anywhere. There was nothing to go on in, in the middle of the field. So they just dished it out wide and they used their athletes against a team that, you know, was a scratch side, just came together on Monday. But uh, for the most part, that team had been together uh, playing under the Mystic banner. Uh, and then you sprinkled in some uh, some ringers uh, at key positions, no doubt. But uh, and still, you know, Apt Eagle playing fly half and a former Kana Academy guy playing inside center. I, I sort of expect a better quality of play. And, you know, six guys who played in the MLR were on the roster that took the day. And they just, at the end of the day, 
some pride, brothers. Some pride. You're you're definitely right, but I think you're I think you have a point in saying that it was definitely kind of a scratch uh, squad that was put together. There wasn't a whole lot of cohesion. Anybody watching the match could see that uh, that you know that was pretty clear. So I think it would. This is the t- kind of squad that's going to take some time to get together and be able to learn how to play together and get on the same page where they're actually effective. Because, like you said, there's a ton of people who played on MLR squads and in the MLR exhibition season who are pretty capable rugby players. You met. Uh, you mentioned Tag Leader. Um, ben Sima is another one uh, out of San Diego. They were two of the top point scorers for that squad. Uh, so going forward, the Free Jacks, if that squad stays together and grows together, they're looking at a pretty bright future, much brighter than we than we even could have been uh, anticipated. And there's also still some really young talent on that team that's going to grow uh, as long as it stays together, including Ian Luciano, including Eric Thompson as well. Diego Macchiera, he's a guy who's had some history in Mystic and he had the experience in the MLR. He's going to continue to be a leader on that team, I'm sure, to kind of help them grow up together, you know, and then you have Leader and Sima bringing that experience on from San Diego. So also, all signs point to a bright future in Boston, but we definitely didn't see that on the field against the Arrows, and I think it's going to be some time before we actually see the results that we really want to see out of them. I mean, what, I mean, wasn't the, I mean, granted, the, the Free Jacks were barely together, uh, but one of the things we saw last year when the Arrows went through their build – is you know an established program, so maybe if they were going to do this, and I, I don't know, but maybe you know, uh, you've reached out to New England. I think this is the only uh real uh exhibition match for the Free Jacks uh in 2018 19. I haven't heard anything about we, more news. We, we could be seeing some other exhibition matches. There's clubs such as the uh, Boston Irish Wolfhounds. There's the Boston Pilgrims. Uh, we might even be seeing uh, the B side of, uh, of Mystic playing. Everything's kind of on the table in terms of getting this team more experience and playing together. But uh, as, as we've already heard from other sources, uh, some of these guys might be getting loaned out to other uh, MLR teams just to make sure that they're getting that in-season experience. For instance, there's been reports that Matt Houston might be playing uh, in New York. Uh, that is so far unconfirmed, but that's definitely been going uh, around the rumor uh, around the rumor mill. So ev- everything is kind of on the table in terms of getting this team more experience. But obviously, like you said, nothing's been confirmed or put out by the team officially yet. Um, I guess uh, to round us out on club scores, uh, I, I forget. I think it was like forty-one to seven, forty-one to five. Saracens. The Seattle type one, the Seattle type, beat the brakes off of James Bay Athletic Association in both the Premier League and the Division One team, and they had six Seawolves on that roster. So you know that's sort of one of the things I've been talking about is if you're running out a team with six, seven, eight MLR players, I want to see dominance like we saw from Old Blue uh, in this in this fall in the ARP. And you know, I'm finally starting to see that with uh, with Saracens, they're not. I think they're they're coming together and they're not struggling. So, uh, which will lead well into the preseason for the Sea Wolves in about a month or so. Uh, so that, that was that's a good score to look at when it comes to what your team is going to look like when they come together for preseason. Moving on. Liam, tell me about Alex Magleby leaving USA Rugby to lead the Free Jacks. 
So Alex Magleby is li- is leaving his position at USP uh, at USA Rugby to become the CEO and general manager of the Boston Free Jacks. Now, uh, this this move was kind of expected, uh, more or less, by everybody w- within the inner circles of USA Rugby after the announcement came out that he was going to be heavily involved in Boston. Uh, this is probably a, the best move that he can make on this part, however, uh, considering he's going to be both general manager and CEO in a new professional sports venture. He's also the father of three young children, and that's a whole other job in itself, as a lot of our viewers and listeners can t- probably tell you. So, in terms of in terms of his career moving forward, this is probably uh, sets him up in the best position to actually succeed. However, you know, especially after everything that's been going on within the last year and a half at USA Rugby, there's obviously has to be that worry about any kind of turnover and turmoil that 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 uh, may cause. But you know, everything kind of has to sprout anew in that context. So we well, should. Well, actually, I, I think he's <laughs> saving USA Rugby money because uh, if. If I go by Ross Young's verbiage in in like the announcements and stuff about it on the USA Rugby side is like the high performance director position will go under evaluation because he's English or no, he's Scottish. The high performance director position will go under uh, evaluation. And uh, I hope Kieran Farmer is watching this. But, uh, yeah, so I I think uh, for the time being, uh, the high-performance wings will sort of be run separately. Emily Bidwell working as the general manager of women's high-performance and Dave Hodges as the general manager of men's high-performance as we tighten the proverbial belt because we is poor at the union level. So thanks for saving us some money, man. No problem. They can take my position there, but they will never take my freedom. <laughs> that was better than your impression, at least. <laughs> oh well, you are uh, you are a mostly Celt by uh, heritage. Oh yeah, no, but I'm I'm from Erin. You know that's so. Don't don't tell a Scottish person it's the same thing. They they won't react kindly. <laughs> Let me hike up my skirt. I'll tell you something about you right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, good luck to you, Alex. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what you guys put together. Uh, moving on, uh, San Diego's recruitment. Uh, I spoke to Rob Hoadley today. Uh, check out to see what they were doing. You know, one of the things he emphasized as far as, you know, we haven't had too much news is they've had a lot of turnover uh, a new executive GM came in place uh, as after Matt Hawkins moved on, and they've had a lot. They're adding a lot of new staff and replacing new systems, just trying to get, you know, their organization in a rhythm. And you know, it's something we also saw last year with uh, how they announce stuff. Uh, you know, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but. Not really transactions, uh, because we're not covering these because we don't know where everyone else is going, but Tide Leader, Ben Sima, Cam Dolan, and Josh Zamudio will not be returning to the Legion for 2019. And this has gone with a lot of what I've been saying, that every single team is going to have significant changes uh, throughout their lineup. Because, you know, some guys get better deals. Like Tide Leader is going to, from what I understand, is going to form a part of the Free Jacks core going forward. If you read that press release, they really highlighted him. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, Scott Murray, we talked about him a little bit. He's uh, now down in San Diego working full-time for the Legion, so he'll be there every day to, you know, work on their scrum and set piece. Uh, you know, a Scottish international with 80-odd caps will uh, really – change what you can do in the scrum uh, especially when you're a type five guy because there's a big difference between uh coaching as a type five guy versus a back row player uh when um you know by trade when it comes to coaching um you know overall they felt really good about their talent level um but they they wanted to improve their scrummaging and set piece uh, Zach Tess has been around uh, the high school programs in San Diego, establishing relationships that will feed into the Legion Academy and rolling out their uh, program and outreach with the high school. So that's cool. Roster news. Uh, I, I, I guess I gave you the best of it. Um, I tried to pull out uh, who they were, who they'd signed for fly halves because they're sort of, uh, left with Connor Kearns, and he was like, "Well, Connor could play there because uh, Connor plays full, also plays fullback." But it sounds like they're bringing in a bunch of fly halves. Um, they will. When will they release their roster? They will release their roster uh, around the time of preseason assembly, which will be towards the end of November. So we're actually, you know, about a month away from when the league mandated preseason starts. Wow. Uh, Comments, concerns. Appreciate well, the update from San Diego. Definitely, I think uh, San Diego. You know, given the absolute disaster that's going on in LA with the uh, former uh, San Diego Chargers, I think they're prone to take over this market. Uh, you know, give San Diego something to actually hope for. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to transactions. So in terms of transactions, I know we've mentioned his name already once or twice, but tag leader is going to the free Jacks. Uh, now, one thing I, I kind of came across when I was doing my research on Mr. Leader was uh, he put up some numbers um, that were pretty significant in terms of the, a few uh, top tens in the league. In terms of conversions, he went nine for 15 for 59 percent. Um, eight for 10 on, on penalties on the year, giving him 80%, 42 points total, which gave him, which was enough for the eighth overall highest point total in the league. So this is some guy that might in the future, you know, help, um, you know, help that help that new England team overcome the problems that they faced with the arrows, which was just not putting enough uh, points on the board early. So if he, if his boot can bring some sort of edge uh, to this team, then that can only be beneficial moving forward. Uh, who else, who else do we have uh, in, ter in terms of people coming? Uh, Mike St. Clair going to go, uh, going to Rooney. Uh, he was he's a Stony Brook alum, and interestingly enough, he was a D1 basketball player uh, while uh, during his time at uh, Stony Brook. And uh, finally, we have Matt Feogali. If I'm pronoun am I pronouncing that right, Feogali? I I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> it's Feogali. Maybe I, I don't know. I I'm sure if Brian Ray's listening, he'll probably tell me. Yeah, ex um, exactly. But uh, however, he's coming. He's coming into Houston to play in the engine room, second row. He has a skill set uh, very similar to uh, to uh, uh, sorry, Hygiene. Do you pronounce Pago. it? Pago oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Pago Hygiene. Yeah, he has a skill set very uh, similar to Pago Hygiene. 
So I'm sure like somebody like uh, Justin Fitzpatrick is going to love this guy on the team. He's going to be able to add something to the scrum, at least in terms of development and what could potentially be a high ceiling if, the, if uh, you know, if you can get a better production out of him than his last club uh, may have in their most recent season, as we were talking about before the show. Um, so uh, Matt Houston, uh, you know, he's uh, left the, left the NOLA gold, uh, talk to, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald about their recruitment. We're going to try and get him on the record. He wants to come and start the team series for NOLA gold again. So shout out to NOLA gold for the love. We'll get that scheduled. Uh, but you know, uh, it, they said, uh, fair winds, uh, uh, love the guy was a great workhorse, but, uh, their needs were, were a bit different. Um, I, you know, I guess we'll, find this out when New York announces it or the Free Jacks announce it, but he's either just playing with New York and that's the team he's on. Uh, that's sort of what I think is happening. Or he is going to be like tied leader and uh, signed to the Free Jacks and then loaned out uh, to New York. So I know that he's putting on the orange and blue for the 2019 season. I just don't know uh, what the contracting is per se. Then we've got Locke Ignacio Dottie uh, from uh, Uruguay uh, moving into NOLA. Man, that that engine room is looking real nice. Uh, you have Kane Thompson in there. Uh, it's it's going to look really nice. So maybe we can get some John Sullivan out at six a bit and uh, then move over uh, – Vince Jobo to seven. That will be a freakish, uh, you know, flanker pairing. Then Nick Feeks, uh, you know, a lot of people talked about Nick Feeks out of Lindenwood, fly half. And uh, to be honest, uh, all American, I think Nick Feeks uh, solidifies the 10 position for uh, Nola Gold. And that will allow uh, JP Eloff to focus on being a fullback. Uh, and that it will just solidify their midfield very well. And then you'll have a lot of Taylor Howden, I think, coming in off the bench uh, because Feeks is, Feeks is ready to go. He is that good. And he's came, came out of like a varsity-like program at Lindenwood where he was practicing two hours a day, had the athletic training support, had the strength and conditioning support. This guy's a developed athlete. Uh, then you have Matt Harmon coming out of Life University, another collegiate All-American at prop. So you've got a lot of young players coming in. I wonder, though, uh, I guess I'll have to ask this question. If they're bringing in this uh, young crop, did they lose um, Ben Tarr? Wonder. Or no, actually, now that I think about this, um, What's his name? The Canadian International. Hubert Bidens. Hubert Bidens was 38 last year, so he might be retiring from both international and professional rugby. Or uh, this is just to uh, to add more prop depth around. A young guy, All-American. Uh, we'll see. Did, did Bidens uh, deal with an injury last season? Uh, I seem to remember thinking he did. Well, recall maybe very well could have but like you said he's he's 38 and 
especially at a position such as prop. That's something that takes a toll on your body after that much time. So I'm not sure uh, how 38 year olds get out of bed normally, let alone rugby players. <laughs> I'll tell you, this 30 year, this about to be 30 year old doesn't know how he gets out of bed either with his messed up shoulder. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you see, you, do you feel it when the uh, when the weather changes, Aaron? Oh yeah, it's it's getting it's getting weird. Although I will tell you, uh, when I was talking to Rob Hoadley in the um, in our email thread last week, he totally said that uh, if he that I was his man if they were going to sign a broken past his prime D three hooker. So <laughs> so I am I am officially like the ninth choice. Hooker for the SD engine. Hopefully, it doesn't get, it doesn't get down to that. <laughs> so, if, if if hookers within the San Diego area start getting poisoned one by one, <laughs> somebody know, needs to look at that's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, San Diego is your favorite team, as I recall, so from last season. Well, uh, you know, when it comes to weather and tacos, Mm. <laughs> they got it going on. I mean, Houston has tacos, but they don't have the weather. Right. So, uh, do you guys want to do some questions from Bob? Uh, and, uh, hey, there he is. I think we might have lost Aaron for a minute there. So, Liam, you and me, we're going to do questions from Bab. Bab. Yep, I'm ready. Bab. Oh, hey, Aaron, welcome back. Hey, we got him. What? I was okay. Going? What? Yeah, yeah, you uh, disappeared for a minute there. <laughs> anyway. You were gone for five and a half years. Watch Manifest on NBC. Insane. So, questions from Bob. We only actually only had one this week, so uh, we'll, we'll get through this. Uh, hopefully pretty easy. Two-Tone York wants to know, we haven't heard of many signings out of the Warriors or Raptors. Are are these squads going to be mostly unchanged from last season? I haven't the heard a lot. Of, I haven't heard a lot of news in terms of the Raptors, but you you go ahead, Aaron. Well, the answer is that no, they're going to be very changed, especially with the Raptors. They lost uh, Ben Landry and uh, Bryce Campbell, and I think another player. I'm not so sure. I. I Oh, yeah, and Sam Fig uh, decided to return to Australia instead of continuing to play with the Raptors or any other team in the MLRDS. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I've heard some things about what their recruitment is going to do, and they are focusing and throwing a lot of resources towards their academy. Uh, that's they're, – they're going to – over the next couple of years, like they did this summer, is have a crossover camp and field a team. Hopefully this year it was about half crossovers. But next year the intent is to field a, a team of 22 because grassroots rugby is different than professional rugby. A team of 22 full of crossover athletes in the Rocky Mountain Summer League. That's what I think is what they plan to do. And then have a lot of those guys filter in through their academy and play in the Division One uh, team that plays in the Red River. But uh, you know that, that's sort of what I've heard, uh, which may be why they're not really talking about player signings right now. Uh, but 
and when I can get Dave Williams on to talk about this, because they really focused on developing their academy. Any uh, word on what's going on with the Warriors then? All right. Radio silence. What do you got, Liam? I, I was just going to say the exact same thing. We haven't heard a whole lot of out of, out of the Warriors other than, you know, them liking a few tweets on, on uh, Twitter and, uh, and a, a few posts on uh, Facebook, but not really anything to do with signings or on developments within the front office or in the, in their, whatever they have planned for an academy structure of anything at all. So I think kind of like you said, we're going to see more continuity out of the Raptors just because we've probably seen some of the younger names in, you know, in spot matches uh, during the MLR and exhibition season who are going to come up into more prominent roles. Whereas Utah, it's anybody's guess as what's going to be coming out of there this season. They did post on Instagram saying who's uh, on stories, who's ready for season two. And I raised the earful of dirt hand in response. So there was that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for representing. Well, we'll have to get our, uh, our man on the ground, Bob B. Bobberson on uh, the Utah beat and find out, have him find out what's going on for us. All right. Well, that is it. Um, as always, questions from Bob is hosted off of uh, our Reddit page. You can find that at reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby. And uh, yeah, uh, as suggested to me earlier uh, today, I'm going to try to get those those uh, threads up earlier. I just posted uh, the questions from Bob one for this week uh, earlier this afternoon. So probably didn't give folks enough time to really ask us anything. I'll do my best to be better. You know, per, per, uh, perhaps it's worth uh, throwing in, Corey. You're obviously always welcome to hit us up on Twitter. You know, you can always find me at uh, at, at Poacher Tundra and uh, everybody else here uh, at the Strobro for Aaron. And uh, what the hell is your Twitter, Corey? Do you even exist? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's real complicated. It's at Corey Munson. Yeah. Uh, it's, yep. It's, it's so hard <laughs> to find. Just, just type in Corey Munson into the search function, and he's the first one. You should do corn e Bunsen. <laughs> Get it? You're from <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> the thing is, when you're looking for Corey Munson, Iowa, you have to make sure that you get the Cedar Rapids Corey Munson, not the Sioux City Corey Munson, because there's two of us in the state. <laughs> Very confusing. <laughs> there can only be one. I'm seeing a Highlander situation emerging here. Uh, It'll be epic. We'll just fight it out with Kevin Costner as the ultimate judge. You know, just that that movie took place in Iowa, right? I think so. I mean, this is the Highlands. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking something. about Field Field of Dreams. <laughs> oh, Kevin yeah, Costner, Field of Dreams. Yeah. Oh, man. I've never actually seen if, Highlander. If, I've if seen you Field build of Dreams. It, I think if you build it, they will come. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Field of Dreams is there. You can drive to it. Maybe you should. Oh, yeah. Catch it's in a in game. The city of, and fight the, the other city of, Corey Munson. At Dyersville, Iowa. Dyersville. It's, uh, it's very off to the side of the road, and there's a house and a baseball field and a gift shop. That's about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, worth traveling to if you live here, kind of. You know, the first time I saw that movie, actually the only time I ever saw that movie was on vacation in Texas. Not kidding. Yeehaw. Okay. So uh, this is, uh, we're stretching for time here. So let's go ahead and just get out because we've gone so far off track. It's not even, not even reasonable anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't want to talk about uh, Kevin Costner fucking 
tough. Yeah, all right. I, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have any final thoughts on our way um, out tonight? So am I the only one who caught uh, Toulouse versus Leinster this weekend? A, Leinster is mortal. They got defeated by Toulouse 28-27. But 18-year-old David Ayunu, USA under 20, uh, you know, he had a good shift. Uh, 19 minutes, uh, actually longer than 19 minutes, 19 minutes in regulation, but uh, he scrummed really well against a bunch of Irish internationals. And it's good to watch. I think, I mean, if with TV Lamostatelli playing a lot of tight head, I think we are in search of another loose head in, uh, for the World Cup. And I would say he is our bolter for the World Cup. All right. Uh, yeah, my my fi- final closing thought is uh, go Red Sox in the World Series. Uh, yeah. World Series. Is that a uh, football thing? I... Uh, no, it's, it's, it's a Baze ball. Baze ball. I don't, it's, it's, it's a thing that we do up here in Boston really well, you know, every, every couple of years. <laughs> ever since that curse was broken, you guys have been rocking it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, about the only thing I got um, is a quick shout out that we uh, got. Our Instagram was followed by uh, Olive Khalifi this week. So, actually, just tonight. So, that's pretty cool. We got that going for us. Uh, yeah. But that's about all I've got for you guys this week. So, shout out to Olive. Thank you so much for the follow, man. And uh, yeah, we love what you're doing on the pitch. So, keep up the good work. Thank you, Olive. All right. Well, uh, with all that said, I'll just uh, kind of say, said, say, be sure to tune in next week where we will be doing all of this again uh, live here on YouTube on Monday nights, available in podcast form every Wednesday morning on your favorite podcast provider. If you like what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes. That helps folks find us. And uh, be sure to check us out on YouTube or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the news, views, and abuse you can handle. As always, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, For me, Corey Munson, for Aaron Castro, from uh, Liam Madigan-Fried, and for Josh Fredland, thank you guys. We will catch you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.